Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. All right, we're back for another episode with listener Anna. The last episode, which was 118, we, Greg and I were speculating and reflecting on our conversation with Anna, and then Anna wrote back to us and said, hey, let's do this again. So here we are. So thanks for coming back on, Anna. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So we were talking a little bit before we hit the record button, and one topic we thought that would be interesting to discuss a little bit more was Greg's assertion about the kingdom of God and God's kind of primary work being to further the kingdom of God and then kind of wondering what that where that leaves us. So sometimes I think Greg, and this is kind of how I set it up in our pre-conversation and, and Anna immediately responded, so I thought, okay, this should be good, um, was, you know, sometimes, a lot of times it sounds like God's kingdom is more important than us. And so if there's kind of a choice between the two, God's kingdom is going to get more priority than us as individuals. And yet a lot of the Christianity, well, all the Christianity I grew up was, it was all about us as individuals and having a personal relationship with God and all that kind of stuff. Right. How am I doing so far, right. Anna? Uh, good, good. So um, I had an interaction with something that Greg said on 118 in the podcast. And um, he said that, and okay, so this is going to take a little discussion to break apart and break down into into what I'm thinking. But he, he made a point that he said um, he was not a pivotal person at a hinge moment at establishing the framework of God's kingdom. I wrote that down because I thought that was a good quote. Um, and my interaction with that and my response to that is, is, Greg, how can you know that for sure? I mean, you may be a pivotal person at a hinge moment establishing the framework of God's kingdom. The best thing you can possibly say is, I don't believe I am. But perhaps I am. And and every one of us at this point, we don't, there's such a great deal of mystery in God's kingdom and how it relates to the individual and how it relates to a corporate identity of the church, that each of us is in a story, a bigger story than ourselves. I will agree with you on that. But that like cells in a body, we are a, a part of a body that we don't fully know God's plan for our spiritual journey. We, we can't know that, really, unless we're God himself. And I would throw a detour in right there, which okay. is, <laughs> does God even have a, does, does God have a plan for our spiritual journeys? Because sometimes I, I always kind of thought, yes, but uh, the more and more I start to wonder some, because people will talk about, you know, like how, you know, God's, God's taking them through this special time and teaching them this one thing or they have this horrible coworker at work and God is using this coworker to teach them whatever. And sometimes I just think maybe you just need to get a new job. Like, (laughs) 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 so I don't know. I I could be kind of curious to throw that around too. Like, does, does God have like a a little, does God have a big file drawer and he pulls out John's folder and he's like, Oh, this week John's going to get a little of this and Greg needs some of this and Anna needs some of that. Did you see Bruce Almighty? God did have a big file drawer. <laughs> yeah, that was one big drawer. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. It just goes so like, yeah. Be, yeah. Morgan Freeman, man. Maybe that's he where I got that idea. <laughs> I just think that here's, here's the thing. I think that there is a big master plan that is mysterious that involves individuals on an individual level and also at the same time a corporate identity for all of us. And I don't know that we can fully understand at any given point, at this point in our journey, what that, what that role is or what that purpose God has for us is. Sure. So I think to say, so Greg, you made such a definitive statement. Um, I am not a pivotal person. You don't know that you're not a pivotal person. You, you're only saying, I don't believe I'm a pivotal person. Correct. Well, you'd have to finish the sentence, right? I'm not a pivotal person in the establishment of God's kingdom. No, I don't think I am. Well, 
But here's right. here's what I would say is uh, here's what I think. I think we're all a part of a huge body, and each like cells in a body. Okay, we each have a purpose, and this is scriptural as well. Is you know we have there's the eyes, the hands, the ears, the face, the nose, the whatever, all of with different purposes, and every one of them contributes to the health of the whole body. And, and so I think that every cell in a human body is pivotal. Right. Well, we might want to make a distinction between what's happening now and what happened before in terms of, you know, when we're talking about, say, God's kingdom. So, for example, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I'm really focusing on is um, the establishment of God's kingdom the that whole piece and there were a number of pieces in there right first of all the establishment of god's identity and that was really a lot of that was the exodus right it was and this is this is one of those great ways this is a great uh example i think of what i'm getting at when i'm talking about the importance and value of the individual and yet the primacy of god's kingdom and i think that the exodus event uh was very much uh concerned with bringing the uh, Israelite, the Judean people out of Egypt, but that there was something even more important there, which was a, sort of this introductory phase of establishing God's kingdom by establishing God's identity. Because Pharaoh was a very important person at that point. He was a very pivotal individual, if you like. So Pharaoh, that's, a, that's the type of comparison I'm making. Relative to Pharaoh, I am not to that particular Egyptian, ancient Egyptian leader, I am not a pivotal person in the establishment of God's kingdom. In fact, I'm not a pivotal per person in the establishment of God's kingdom because it has already been established. So in other words, this, there's this idea too, I am not a personage or a character or uh, a putative author in the biblical text. I'm none of those things, right? You won't find me anywhere in there because it happened thousands of years ago. Right. Well, okay. Yes. I, I Okay. On that on that front, I can agree with you. Yes, you're not in the Bible. <laughs> but, no, I'm, I'm but, not in the Bible. But also that God's kingdom, you know, there there are a number of different phases. The the kind of well, can you define it? Like, just what's yeah. dawning on me too is maybe we should define some terms here. Is there yes. a two or three sentence way to define what God's kingdom is? I don't know if there's two or three sentences. <laughs> I would I would define it through a couple of different. I've got a blog post on this if I can only find it. Um, let me just try this while we're still, while we're talking. Um, well, I can, I can give you what I think it is while you're looking. Sure. Okay. It. I think God's kingdom is, uh, the scripture says God's kingdom is within us. So I think it is in we as humans act according to the principles of heaven on earth. I mean, I think it is a inner transformation of our whole hearts to line ourselves up with God's will. And when the inner heart does that, we are acting according to God's kingdom. I think it is a kingdom that is, and scripture, you know, I think that John four twenty four is very pivotal in this, that, the, that God is spirit and God desires people that worship in spirit and truth. And so I think to be led by the spirit in the fruits of the spirit, as well as to be led by the truth, those two things, when a person is led by those two things, spirit and truth, I think they're operating according to the uh, principles of God's kingdom on earth. And I think that goes into the Father's prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so, and I miss, what, what, were you, what were you saying about the last point though, Anna? I think that when, I, I think that when human beings adopt and uh, live according to the principles of heaven on earth, they bring the kingdom of God to earth. In other words, when uh, when a when a human being will be led by the Spirit and be led in truth, I think those are. I think that's what Jesus was. In other words, and he said very clearly to people in that time, you know, uh, the kingdom of heaven has come to you. In other words, he was living according to the principles of the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's helpful. Um, just one second. I think I've got this coming up. Okay. All right. Very good. 
Yeah, maybe it would be a good idea to kind of look up a few things because there's so much about the kingdom of heaven in the Bible that, um, you know, it being within us, um, you know, I think it's probably maybe more so we are within it. You know, and I guess that's how, you know, uh, I, I would see it as the kingdom of heaven is, or the kingdom is, uh, God's kingdom is from God, by God, for God. Yes. And so there's this kind of central focus around God, which um, oftentimes we, uh, or at least evangelicals, tend to um, ignore or be unaware of. It because it's everything is down to salvation and salvation this and salvation that and I think that um, part of what I'm focusing on is the relationship I guess between lived existence and if you like relationship with God or Christian belief you could also frame that from a Christian perspective as the relationship between creation and salvation and so one of the ways I would say that. Um, Citing, citing somebody else, but, but I think it's a good way of saying it, is that uh, creation frames salvation. Salvation refigures or can have a transformative effect on mm-hmm. creation. Um, but I guess, John, when you're talking about that whole idea of defining it, um, I, I think that God's kingdom is the pivotal notion within Christianity. So I think the confusion that often arises or maybe the perspective that's often held but I think is a problem or is, it, is incorrect is it's all about me. It's all about me. God came to save me from my sins. Well, no, God didn't come to save you from your sins. Yes, he did. He came to save each of us from our sins. No, no, no. <laughs> so if you read the beginning of Matthew, terribly personal to each individual and terribly corporate to the whole entire body. I think it's both things at the same time. Yeah, but I think that there's a hierarchy within that interplay. So in other words, one of the things I was saying at the end of that 118 podcast is that it would be equally problematic to see ourselves as either marginal to God's concern or completely like completely off of God's map or completely in the middle of God's map. I don't think that, that we are either of those two things, you know. And so ultimately when I'm saying I'm not central to the establishment of God's kingdom, A, God's kingdom is already established, right? That's a past event. I cannot be central to that. Not possible. I know, but here's the thing, Greg. It, it, God's kingdom is established. Look at the earth right now. Look at You watch the news, right? Do you feel like this earth is operating according to the kingdom of heaven? Well, let, we should talk about that a little bit. So I think let's, one way of one way of, <laughs> one way of framing that. How many that. topics do we have going now? <laughs> I know. I know huh? Oh, that's okay. We could do a little, you know, uh, <laughs> go for it. Just throw stuff around and see okay. what comes. But right. um, you know, so there's this notion of of the kingdom being already here and the kingdom being not yet here, right? And so, in in some real senses, in terms of its it being established, it is already here. So you know. <clears throat> but this is hmm, this is maybe getting back to answering your question, John. So maybe some of these will link together. So in other words, the sense of it being already here is not just the, the typical evangelical thing, which Jesus came to die for my sins. No, 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 no. Like, let us not be so utterly vain and utterly self-centered and utterly divorced from what's going on in the text. That is not the story. We come into the story at about Acts 8 with Cornelius and we have various highlights in and through the Gospels, you know, I am the centurion. I am this other Gentile who had faith. But, 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 but I have no Jewish blood in me. So the context of what God is doing began with the Jewish people. Now, admittedly, it did not go well. You know, it would have been no particular gain to me, necessarily, to have been Jewish. No particular claim or national pride that I could take in the fact that, yeah, look at us, we did it. Mm, no, he didn't. It didn't work out too well. But in other words, this whole story has a huge, it's a, a powerful, majestic, and a subtlety, a subtle sweep as well. This powerful, majestic sweep, and yet uh, integrates a lot of subtlety. And we miss that. We lose out on that, I think. And that's one of the reasons why um, 
there is not enough credibility and, and just some of the parts of 118 whereas you know john and i were talking about this whole i'm sitting in church and i'm listening to this praise song and i'm thinking why are you putting these things together like this this is just christian sound bites this doesn't even make sense if i was somebody in church listening to this song i wouldn't have any clue about what why your beliefs make sense and so putting it in the framework of of yes you know jesus death was inaugural for the kingdom of god why because god made a promise before there was a covenant so Genesis 12 took place before Genesis 15. Had to. <laughs> and then we see the covenant. And then we have this, you know, this greater covenant with all the people of Israel after this Exodus event. And then we see this breaking down and breaking down. And the covenant punishments or, if you like, uh, consequences come upon Israel. And we're stuck. But not just Israel is stuck, right? So here, even I did it there. I said, we're stuck. Israel is stuck. But of course, the whole world is stuck because Genesis 12 is huge. Genesis 12, 1 to 3, whereby, you know, we, I get blessed. You get blessed. Those of us who aren't Gentiles, who are Gentiles, not Jews, get blessed. But God is stuck too. God is stuck because God made a promise. And God is going to keep that promise because right. that's who God is, right? And so this kind of the, 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 the majesty and the, the mastery of what Jesus' life life and death, not just death, did, was it allowed God to remain righteous, to uh, fulfill the promise, because Israel had, through Jesus, Jesus living the life Israel should have lived, kept the covenant. And then Jesus dying the death on the cross, because that death was a cursed death, bore the covenant uh, curses or curse or, if you like, punishment or consequences and allowed then for that promise to be unfolded. And so that whole process is this establishing of God's kingdom. And if I were to say it in one word, what is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is God reclaiming all things as God's own, because that's what they truly are. Okay, I would agree with you, but what, what does God really want on this earth? And I think I, I, if, if God were to have a kingdom... What would he want the humanity to look like? And I think it would be the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, which against these things there is no law. I mean, that is the way he, that is his kingdom, is that humans relate to each other in that way. That is the second chance that we all messed up. And he's trying to give us the second chance by the cross to relate to each other according to the spirit, the leading of the spirit. So the kingdom of God in my, in my estimation would be human beings living on this earth, according to the, the kingdom of God, which is the fruit of the spirit. It, can you imagine what this world would look like if every human being lived according to love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Can you imagine the world that if every human being lived that way, that would be the kingdom of heaven on earth. Yeah, I, I think it might be. I, I, I hear what you're saying. Right. I think though that that's that's certainly an outworking. But I think that that kind of, as I'm understanding, that top level orientation is always going to be um, love God entirely, love yourself rightly, love your neighbor likewise. And so yeah. in that loving yourself and loving your neighbor, that if, you know, you could call it fruit of the spirit or, or whatever, those, those sorts of virtues will be present. But that, yeah, everything, when you're saying sort of what is God looking for, I think God is looking to reestablish right relationship between God's self and all things. And flowing from that, all things amongst themselves will be rightly related. So I would put that, that order into it. That hierarchy. So, so, okay. So Jesus prayed for the disciples. I mean, and, and for all of us, actually, there is a, a prayer recorded in the scripture where he prays for unity, that they might have the unity that I and the father have. Correct. I mean, you, you know that, yeah. right? I mean, okay. John's gospel yeah. someplace at the end. Right. <laughs> I don't know the exact scripture, but, um, and so he's, he's wanting that vision of the kingdom to be a reality on earth. That was 2,000-some years ago, correct? 
I mean, we're still struggling with this as humanity. And, and, and it doesn't seem like, you know, here, well, let me, let me clarify that. There are some people who I feel like are kind of moving towards that goal. And there's other people that are moving away. And our, our world is torn right now. I mean, it's, it's corrupt. It, there's so much suffering. There's so much corruption. And yet there's also a, a rising up of a certain element of people who say, you know, the only way that this, that this world can even survive humanity is if we operate according to the kingdom of heaven. And you know what? Here's the funny thing about it is that people who don't even believe in God will espouse the principles of the kingdom of God. I mean, uh, you know, that even other religions, even other belief systems say, you know what, the only way to find peace in this world is through the kingdom of God, through this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in relation to every human being. That is the kingdom of God on earth. And so um, where that's failing at this time, you, you can see all over the, the globe. And it, it is, to me, a very real battle at this point. This is a pivotal point in history. I mean, we have enormous amount of damage being done to our earth right now. Enormous amount of damage being done to its, its com our common humanity, whether it be on the other end of the globe or right next door, our neighbor. You, you don't have to travel very far to find people suffering. Whether it's, you know, whether it's a, uh, an immigrant or a refugee or the person right next door to you who's, who lost a child. I mean, it's everywhere. Sure. You know? Yeah. I th yeah. I think that's important. I, I think um, a, a couple of things. So one of the – when I was looking at, at uh, some of the uh, more hardline Islamic perspectives, there is a similar notion with God's kingdom. The, 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 the key difference though is that in um, – trying to remember what the the name of that particular perspective was uh wahhabism which comes out of saudi arabia mm -hmm. and that's only one view but but it is a you know it's got a sizable following and and the perspective there is that you know god's kingdom will come and god will be represented but the difference though the key difference is that with the christian notion of the full fully uh arrived, if you like, kingdom of God, there is no proxy. No one stands in for God. Mm -hmm. God is, in other words, God is literally ruling. God is literally reigning. And I don't think any of those, any of the things that we read about in the New Testament in terms of the virtues that people should possess and the, you know, the, the widespread realization of those virtues as ways of interacting with each other that are really standardized, I don't think those things are going to happen without God's presence. And I'm right. not saying the spirit isn't God's presence, but there's something that's more than that that's implied and I think voiced in terms of this notion of God's kingdom. Um, you said something else there just at the end that made me think, oh, in terms of a pivotal moment in history, yeah. I mean... I think what I'm pushing back against here is this idea that within God's kingdom, I am central. I don't see that. I, I really don't see that. You know, maybe I could uh, help bring about some uh, change in the way that evangelicals view Christianity. Let's, let's say that I could do that. Mm -hmm. um, that would be something, I don't know what you'd want to call it. You might want to call it prophetic or what have you. But I don't think even that has a central role in God's kingdom because I don't know, I don't know that there is much that needs to happen. I don't know that there's much left to happen in terms of those major elements coming together other than the presence of God being here again. Now, am I saying that, that everything looks good? No, no, I'm not saying that. So, you know, disciples' prayer, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No, it's, we still need to pray that because there's a lot of 
stuff here that is not taking place in the way that it should, right? That is not, I would think, God's will in terms of how we treat each other, how we uh, engage with God, how we engage with the the planet. Um, So yeah, I guess guess that's where I'm I'm heading. I don't, on the one hand, think that, I think God's kingdom is already established, and then, then it being realized. So its form is made. It, the, the boundaries are set. The, the sketch is in place. The blueprint is there. And then that blueprint actually being coming and kind of being uh, instantiated, being realized, being built, being physically solidly before us. I think that there's, there's an ongoing process there of which I am largely unaware. And of how I play a role in that, I don't know. Could I play more of a central role than somebody else? Potentially. But I think in terms of that, that framework, we often see ourselves as pivotal within that framework, and I don't think that we are. Well, I mean, okay. So then you – who is pivotal then? Is no one pivotal? Not at this point in time. I don't think so. I mean, I think- why, would you, why would you think that? I mean, look at the world. I mean, here – uh, okay, so and and I I'm not be above error, so I will lay out my case, and you will interact with me and and tell me where I am wrong. Okay, Greg? Or oh, I don't John. know if I can tell, I can tell you where I disagree. I don't know if I can tell okay. you where you're wrong. Okay, well, I think that God's kingdom advances one person at a time. I mean, even if there is a large movement of the Spirit, it's still going to be to individuals, one heart at a time. And I think just like the cells in a human body, they each have the individual function and are unique, yet they're designed to work together. For the health of the whole body. I mean, I think that's the whole body that we're talking about here. And um, as far as personal experience with God, I feel like his interactions with me were incredibly personal to me and my journey, dealing with my own faults and blind spots, dealing with my own ways I wasn't relating to people well, or dealing with places in me that were not fully grown or were immature or were self-centered. I mean, he dealt with all that, but they were that purpose was to bring my character into development, into focus. And that was between him and I for the purpose of relating to the Christian community, which is a much greater body of believers. And um, I think that each of us has that both. Okay. So the reason, well, let me, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but I think that each of us has a responsibility to develop our relationship with God on a very personal level. And if you will, uh, I, I just have this difference with you. I think that I think that every person is excruciatingly important, and I think that be, they are important because of what they give to the community. So I, I think that the um, body of Christ. If, uh, in other words, let me tell you that if somebody has 20-20 vision, let's say somebody's eyes are really good. They don't need con- they're they're 50 years old. They never need contacts. They don't need glasses. They have this 20-20 vision. Hallelujah! If cancer is eating out their liver, that body is going to die, and that 20-20 vision doesn't matter because there's a part of the body that's sick, another part of the body that's sick, and so I think if if one person is healthy spiritually. They have a responsibility to help the whole entire body in its uh, its complete health. And I think as, as scripture reveals, we are a body. We are a family. And if, if there's health in certain parts, there's a responsibility to there to other parts of the body who aren't as healthy to bring them to that full understanding and knowledge. And according to John 24, I mean, God is spirit. He wants people to worship him in spirit and truth. And I think that's the ultimate goal is for all of the body to come to a full understanding of spirit and truth. And I, I, I don't know if I'm being vague or I feel like my personal journey has been very personal to me, very personal to me as a human being. But the reason why it was personal to me was so that I would contribute to the health of the body. It wasn't just so I would be a cell floating off, basking in my own glory. God loves me. I'm hallelujah. I'm so wonderful. The only purpose God would have to, to communicate, I think to an individual is so that individual would go and contribute to the health of the the body. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't I know. You, what do you think? <laughs> sure. You make a lot of good points. Um, 
uh, yeah, a couple things back maybe. So I'm not sure when God interacts with people. So you and you talked about your your experiences being very personal and. Yeah. From what you've told me of them, they do seem to be that way. And I would describe mine that way too. And I would also say, and, and probably in agreement with what I think I'm hearing from you, that I don't think that while, the, while God acts personally, God doesn't necessarily act individually. So I don't think that's probably been part of the issues and the difficulties you've experienced because other people say, hey, God doesn't do that for me. That can't be right. You've got to be, uh, you can't be right, Anna. You know, and that's, I think that's caused some pain and some, some problems, right? right? Right. And so we have this situation where God acts personally in specific people's lives. And I think there is – I would agree with you that there is a benefit to others and that there is a significance to that action that is intended outwards towards others. I think it's also intended towards me. So I don't think the only reason God would, would act in that way is so that if you like the body could be strengthened. I think that there's also part of who God is – that is extremely extravagant and um, audacious. And, you know, some of the things that happen in the New Testament when we see Jesus healing people and not healing others, I mean, that's quite, that happens. I mean, you read the beginning of Mark and you, you see in that second chapter there where I think it's uh, Peter's, John comes looking for Jesus and say, hey, they're still looking for you. And he said, I, I got to go other places. I, I've got a job to do here. And it's not necessarily healing these folks. Mm-hmm. So there is a, there's both going on as far as I can see. You know, there's both something that's personal and something that's corporate. And, and maybe the other, the other piece to, that you're important because of what you give to the community, I, I, I guess what, what I see coming out of my understanding of the biblical text is that there is an ultimate primacy, an ultimate priority given to God loving me and me loving God. That's on my perspective. That's from my understanding and my relationality, right? Mm-hmm. I still think that fits in within something broader, which is called the kingdom of God. But that's not something that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a part of insofar as I am in right relationship with God. I can also be a part of it in not being in right relationship with God because I believe it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Right? It's going to come about. Mm-hmm. But that's 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 that, that's a different way of being a part of something. That's kind of like being dragged along or finding that something is the case, even though you didn't want it to be. But I guess I think <laughs> it's probably really for me. Uh, my perspective here is that I don't think God has acted necessarily in this way just for the sake of the community and others. But I think that God has acted also because God has a tremendous love for me. God has acted in this way because God has a tremendous love for you. I think God has acted in your life and in my life, and this is an important piece, I think, because God has a tremendous love for John. Mm-hmm. Right? So Absolutely. There is uh, this whole piece about testimony which can knit communities together, which can bring people together in ways and cause reliance and uh, cohesion that I think is necessary. But I think if I take my story, for example, and I just personalize it, Am I important to God? Absolutely. Am I pivotal to God's story? No, I don't think so. God's story will go on with or without me, right? Did God need Pharaoh or someone like Pharaoh? Yeah, I think so. Did God need a situation, something like God encountered with Cyrus and with, um, what's his name? The, uh, not Dorian, the person who came on after Cyrus and allowed the Jews to go back and allowed them to rebuild Darius, Cyrus and Darius, and rebuild those walls. Yes, those are pivotal figures, pivotal historical individuals who, they could have been different ones. They didn't have to have, you know, that particular name or this particular situation, but they had to have something about them that allowed the characteristics of who and what God is to be portrayed in a historical manner for us to say, that is God, Mm -hmm. right? God is the one who is alone and against God, there is no, no others. Is any sort of recognition of that reality going to come out of my life? No. But is that necessary for the establishment of God's kingdom insofar as God's identity, establishing God's identity is who God is and what God can do? Yeah. How can you say that, Greg, that you, you have God will not use you in such a pivotal way? I mean, I, here's the thing. That, that is 
okay, now correct me if I'm wrong, okay, because I've been wrong before, <laughs> but I mean, how can you say with certainty God's not using you in a pivotal way? I mean, you, you would have to declare that you know as much as God and you have foresight. You, you don't know the story that's being unfolded with your life right now. I mean, you've, you've gone through a tremendous amount of suffering. You've had a history of, you know, a tremendous amount of suffering that you've overcome and you still believe in God. That to me is miraculous because it would take a lot less for some people to endure than you have and abandon God altogether. Okay. So you still have a a strong belief in God, even after everything you've endured. And yet, and that is consistent with the stories of people in scripture. I'm not, I'm not saying you're in the Bible, but let's learn from scripture something. Okay. So you have had a story that is is very powerful. I've heard enough of it in the last two years to understand, I think, the suffering, not, not be able to completely feel because I haven't been there, but to hear enough to know the suffering you've been through, and yet you have still endured. That is a testimony to the power of God in your life, and yet you're, you're sure you're not at a pivotal place or you're not a character in God's story that's pivotal. And I and I wonder why you are so sure of that. How can you be so sure of that? Yeah. Sure. Well, I guess I, I I do I really value what you're saying about you know you can't know certain things without being in the mind of God and that's claiming equality with God and you know John and I've had this discussion before and yeah that's an idolatrous sort of notion right that we should all want to avoid but I think we'd want to define what we're talking about by pivotal and by pivotal, what I mean is that there is something about the quality or the nature of who I am, where I'm placed, the things that go on in and through my life that make this story go forward. Mm-hmm. This story is going to go forward with, without me. This story would not have gone forward without an Exodus type moment. This There's story no being way. the development of God's kingdom. Yeah, mm-hmm. there is no right. way. Like, could it have happened in Babylon years later? Could it have happened in, I don't know, some other place years before that? Sure. Did it have to be that that, that particular Egyptian pharaoh? No, but it had to be something like that, taking place in something like that way, right? So there's a, in other words, when we're looking at it as a story and as a narrative, there, it's not just that we tell the story that way, right? It's not like when we just say, row or row your boat, that, that there's a rhyme to it and that's, and it rhymes be, be, just because that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that. This is a different type of thing altogether. There's a kind of um, the, the, the plot and the way that the story advances is very necessary, it seems to me. And, and I think the Bible is telling us about this necessity to understanding who God is what God intends, where God's going, how humans and God are to relate. All of these kind of very pivotal things that I think the Bible is about. So when I say pivotal, I'm not talking about, it's not an epistemic or noetic or something I can know. I'm not talking about a knowledge claim. I'm talking about a definition. And I'm very leery when I hear evangelicals talking about, they don't use that word, but I think they often use that sense Right? There's a sense of centrality to God's story. God really needs me. I'm, you know, this is really important. I'm really at the focus of what God is doing. Well, no, I don't think you are. And yes, in, in another way, I think that you're incredibly important. Right? We're all incredibly important. We're incredibly valued. We're valued beyond our conception, but we're still not pivotal. Well, yeah, I, I think the, the classic example there would be, you know, if, you're, if your neighbor was to die in a car accident tonight and they don't know Jesus, you know, it, you're the, you're the pivotal link that decides whether they go to heaven or hell. So you like, that's how I I feel like it's often portrayed. Is that what you're saying? And you're saying, no, we're not that pivotal. There's something like that. And I, I would say in that particular example, uh, and, no, and I'm not the pivotal the link. They are right. like that person is right. That person has a long history of awarenesses. There's no one in and there's no, probably no one I'll ever meet in my entire life whom I can say, do you know about Jesus? And they're going to say, who? Never heard of him. Right. <laughs> right? So, right. So do I have a role? Yes. I de- definitely have a role. If, if in your scenario, John, if, if that was to be the case, 
might there be some responsibility on me? Might there be something that tugs at me to say, hey, you know what? You might want to talk with this person lying, dying in the street. Now, I personally don't like to, to, to think that way or, or work that way because I think that there's often an element of the dramatic that tends to make us act and think in ways that move us outside of and further away from what should be our norms of engagement with people who are not Christians, right? Um, I, I would... I hesitate around those, and I don't know anybody that has been in that situation. Right? Okay, I, I fair enough. It can, it can happen. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it's an invalid example. No. it clearly is. Right. 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 So, but go, so well, you know, here's here's what I'll tell you. I don't know if you ever heard the Bill Hybel story. You know who Bill Hybel is? is? He's the a pastor of Willow Creek in, oh, outside yes. of Chicago. Huge church, Willow Creek Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He told a story once about uh, an encounter he had with an old friend of his, and uh, it's been a, a couple years since I heard this sermon, but, but let me try to relay it personally, is that there was a moment in time where he had an encounter with a, an old friend of his, and God, the Spirit of God led him to go speak to this person, and he didn't do it. He kind of resisted it, and that man killed himself that night. And Bill Hybels had that experience where God had stirred his heart to speak to this man and he had resisted it. And it ended up in the death of this man that he didn't go and speak to him. And he felt like, I will never do that again. I will never resist a call of the spirit in my life because sometimes it is life and death. Right. Well, I I hear that and I value it. And I think that that again is one of those situations that I would not want to use as a litmus test or as a motivator, mm-hmm. right? So in other words, when someone says God's spirit guided me to this or God helped me understand this, my first question is, how do you know it was God? What did that look like? Well, right? so, I am skeptical. Well, here's the I thing. Am- in, in Bill Heibel's case, he said for sure God said, go speak to that man he, he, he needs you at some point. And I don't remember the whole conversation, but Bill Hybels didn't do it. He was like, no, I, I, I don't remember the whole story, but he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And that man killed himself that night. I don't know how much more evidence you can get that has haunted Bill Hybels. And he is the pastor of Willow Creek Church, or he was, which is outside of Chicago. It's huge. It's, what is it? 25, 30,000 people. It's a big church. I mean, and yeah. Bill Hybels, I, I've heard him speak. I've listened to a lot of his sermons. He's an amazing man. And that humbled him. That experience humbled him to the point of saying, I will never resist the spirit again. Yeah, well. I, that, that's a hard, you know, you hear these stories and you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, what would I do in that situation? Would I have done any differently than him? You question well, yourself. I, I Yeah, you know? I guess, I guess, Anna, it's pretty hard for me to, to think about some of that. In other words, I don't know how much God is actually seeking to lead me to talk to indiscriminately to people I may or may not have any acquaintance with. Right. I think God is, is very keenly interested in me and in, in, in every Christian maintaining and or developing right relationship with their fellows, Christian or not. Yes. And so... You know, one of the, John and I have talked about this. There was a situation when I was last at Labrie and somebody came in and um, she began talking and she it was an older woman in her uh, 60s, I'm guessing. And, and I won't go through the whole story, but, but eventually the more she kept talking, the more it became very plain to me that she was speaking, she was espousing a position that would make her run afoul, if you like, of, mm-hmm. of some very basic elements of 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 scriptural texts and i kept listening and i didn't kind of throw that out to her but but it became clearer as she finally got to the end of this very long conversation we were talking for four hours and she eventually brought out an experience that she had with her son and how she understood god to be telling herself telling her something about her son and that she then used her, her understanding from that experience to develop her ministry and to develop this perspective that she held. And, and I eventually, yeah, it, it, had we talked further, it probably would have come down to me having to be completely frank with her and saying, you know, I think you're going to have to choose between these two. Either God is telling you something and this something is somehow contradicting scripture or you've interpreted this situation um, incorrectly in certain mm-hmm. ways. And that incorrect interpretation is causing you 
to look at the scriptural, these scriptural texts and basically ignore them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I value this whole, the, the reality, not just the notion, but the reality that God seeks, God prompts us, God offers us possibilities. Mm-hmm. I don't know how often God is actually seeking to get me or you or anyone else who's a Christian to randomly talk to some person. And maybe right. there was more content involved. I, I'm, I'm not looking at Bill Hybels and pointing fingers. But what I am uh, skeptical about is the idea that necessarily when something happens, we think it's God, something powerful or negative comes out of that. Exactly the same situation for this woman. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, we have an understanding. We derive an understanding that may or may not be scriptural but seems to be outside the realm of criticism and questioning. That, for me, is extremely dangerous. And once we start mm-hmm. doing that, uh, we put ourselves in a place where we already seem to know what God's will is. We already seem to know what God wants. We already seem to know those things that you thought were you know, kind of dangerous for me to mention. Right? How do you know you're not pivotal? Well, okay, we're not really talking about knowledge here. We're talking more about um, the definition of pivotal. Right? But right. So I'm, I'm leery of, of those things. But, um, Johnny, you wanted to jump in with something. Well, the, the go back. It, it sort of ties in, I think. So you were saying you believe that God acts personally but not individually. Did I get that right? Yeah. So why aren't those the same that. thing? Yeah, if they say that. it seems like the same thing. <laughs> I'm does. an individual and I'm personal. Like, isn't it like, why are the, what's, what's the difference well, between individual versus personal for you? Well, it's very simply that God acts in very specific ways in the lives of specific individuals or, or of individuals, but not all people. So God has acted in a certain way in my life. And I've talked about some of those experiences that I've had. And I, 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 I chalk them up to being God. And I'm certainly, to follow up on my last comment about Bill Hybels and this older woman who had been at Brie, I'm open to people saying, hey, Greg. I don't really think you've read that the right way. Or, you know, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. I'd need more information to believe that that's actually God. I think that's completely cool. So on the one hand, yes, does God act personally in people's lives? Yes. But will God act in similar ways or in, in, in ways of similar substance and density and impact in everyone's life? No. So, okay. So I think personally, but not individually. So yeah, I still those every... those words those words still don't work for me. <laughs> I know. Maybe either, John. <laughs> I'm open to it. Well, so, it. so, so. I, I don't understand it either, John. I mean, I I feel like my spiritual journey has been very personal to me. <laughs> no, but I think what Greg is, I think, I think, see if I have the right understanding. I, what you're advocating, Greg, is that okay? So you've had very specific personal experiences of God. Anna's had very personal experiences of God I often feel that I haven't Mm -hmm. but it's but what you're I think what you're saying is it's it's perhaps not a good idea for me to say well I haven't really met or experienced God because I haven't had similar experiences that you or Anna have had that that would be an upshot of what I'm saying so in other words should everyone expect they're going to have an experience of God like Anna does I would say no, no, in fact, definitely not, or like Greg has, no, that doesn't make sense to me, right? Particularly because I would categorize some of my primary experiences of God as healing, emotional healing. Right. Does everybody need that? No. Are you emotionally wounded yeah. to the point that, well, no, I'm not. Well, then why would you expect that? Well, yeah, but right? I And so yours, everybody... yours, Anna, maybe there's more going on there, right? Maybe there's another role, no, but and you I... talked about the whole corporate piece. So maybe that's part right. of it too. But I guess, yeah, John, that, that's, that's sort of what I would say. In other words, the importance of testimony within Christianity is, is massive. And I think there's a need for those who have had experiences of God and, that are particularly, if you like, um, exceptional or impactful to be sharing those in contexts where people, as much as possible, can grasp them, can be moved by them can be you know properly impacted by them okay so can i respond i mean i i feel like everybody every human being on the face of the earth probably wants in some even if they don't know it even if they're a freaking atheist they still want 
in some very deep place to know that they are loved and accepted. And, and, uh, it, it, it doesn't matter what damage you've been, every human being has sustained some kind of damage. So whether you're a, uh, an extremely damaged person that we would all like kind of shock and, you know, sigh or gasp at, or if you're just a person carrying on in life with some kind of numbness, you, you still have sustained damage and every human being desires that connection, even if they can't articulate it, even if they don't believe in God. I simply believe that every human being wants to be loved and accepted and known. And I, I and here's the, here's the problem I have with some of this is that um, I think our deepest desire as human beings is to be known for all that we are because Let's say I have a friend who says to me, I love you, Anna. And I say, oh, thank you. I love you, too. Well, those professions of love are only based upon our knowledge of each other, which is very partial. The only person who can possibly give a human being entirely, completely a knowledge of them and a love for them is God. Because God knows every thought, motive, act, deed, and word a human has done. And if God can look at a human being and see, I, have, I see everything you have done or not done. I see every action, every thought, every motive, every deed. And I love you still. That right there is love to the utmost. No human being can offer that to another human being because we don't have the capability. And as much as we would want to love a human, another human being like that, we can't. Because we can't read their thoughts. And I don't care who you are or what damage you've sustained. Every human being wants to be known. Because if I, if I have a friend or, a, or, or someone in my life who says I love you, but I know they don't really know everything I've done, everything I've thought, everything I've believed in my life, they don't know, they aren't familiar with that. So when they say I love you to me, their love is only partial they can, I, I have this loophole there where I can say, okay, I hear that you love me, but I know inside of myself that you don't know all of me. And so if you knew all of me, you may not have those feelings towards me. So in human love, it's difficult to accept those professions of love as true and genuine to the deepest core of who we are as human beings. God is the only person the only intelligent being who can offer us that kind of love. And when God offers you that kind of love, there is no power greater in the entire universe than to say to a human being, I know all of you. I see every dark deed you've done and every dark thought you've thought. And I see every dark thing you've ever been. And I still love you. There is no greater power in the universe. That is the ultimate power. There's nothing, nothing greater. And when a human being experiences that, I, I, I just, there, there's no greater experience than having, being known for all you are and being loved still. There's nothing greater. There's no amount of hate. There's no amount of judgment. There's no amount of anything in the universe there's no amount of anything to contend with the power of a God who knows you and loves you. There's nothing. It is the greatest powerful. power in the universe. How does that connect? Yeah. How does that connect with what you're saying about? I, I, the sense I got from you was you were you were resisting or um, kind of refuting the idea that that God will certain people will experience God in certain ways and others won't. Well, I, I feel like there came a point in my life where that was a reality. I mean, I, I had a God who saw everything and loved me still. It was transformative. I, 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 I don't know how any human being can endure this painful life without having that in their life. I, I don't know how any human how being can live along your... without knowing that there sure. is a God that loves them. Sure. But I guess... Are we talking about, though, that relating necessarily to your experiences? And if it relates to your experiences, what and 
you know, you tried to bring some of those experiences out to others and, ex- and yeah. in turn, you experienced a lot of, you know, sounds like skepticism, at least maybe rejection, uh, right. just maybe some, some, some hurtful things. What is that saying about those other people? And, and are they just waiting? Will they, are you thinking that they one day are going to have those types of experiences themselves or? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like, um, that, I, you know what, here, Greg and John, I don't know all the answers. I, I'm on a journey right now and I have been to that place where I felt, I, I mean, and, and there's times where I wake up in the morning and I think to myself, 10 years ago, I felt the love of God. I felt it completely. It was the most powerful force I've ever felt in all the universe. Shouldn't that sustain me for the rest of my life? And what if nobody ever feels that? I am blessed beyond measure. Even if it's gone now, I had it for a moment. I had it, you know? And I I, I think that that, like, well, let me, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's hard for me to think on my feet, but I, I'll tell you that I think that we are a community that is like a body and that the health of each individual person contributes to the health of the whole. And the only way that each individual person is going to be truly healthy is if they feel completely known and completely loved because it is the core desire of the human heart. And if a human being doesn't find that in God, they will look for it in other places. And it is the story of our planet. Our planet is a bloody planet. It is a devastating suffering. I mean, it is just horrific amount of suffering. And I, I don't know what else to say about, I can only give you what I have experienced in my journey. I I don't know what other people experience. Sure. But I know that there's a healing there. There's a, a profoundly deep healing to be known for all you are. Everything you are, everything since the day you were born to the day you die, God knows it and he loves you still. That is, there is no power greater than that in the whole entire universe. Yeah. Well, then that's really, that is, um, I, I'm, I'm glad you're, you know, you, you're obviously very passionate about that. Anne, and I yeah, think that, right. that that's been part of your experience. And I think that's really crucial. I, I do think that on the one hand, that whole idea of having that completeness is not something that people get we just don't get it you know we may see it we may come across it uh through our understanding let's say if you're a christian and your understanding of the biblical text is that that god does know you i would frame it as god knows us more truly than we know ourselves god loves us more deeply than we love ourselves love ourselves and we may truly grasp that and i think that there's something wonderful and majestic to it my own sense from as being someone who, I mean, that's very been very core to my experience of God. And I still walk away from that from time to time. I still turn my back on that. You know, that's just part of what it is to be a human being. And to, um, even with the understanding that I may have and the experiences, I make some of those mistakes. And, and I, I take second, third, fourth best instead of best. And, uh, uh, consistently, I regret it, <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be able to entirely stop me from doing it. So, but I, I, I yeah, maybe this is a good point to, to, to stop at and, and maybe to consider starting up again another time. I don't know. We've, we've covered a lot okay. of ground here. It feels really, uh, yeah. Well, I, I think, I think it's a very, it is, well, I feel that. The human being, as a spiritual being, wants to be known and loved and accepted. But it's a difficult, for me, it was a difficult many-year process to get to that point. And it wasn't uncontested. And it isn't an easy journey. And there's everything fighting against that for some reason. And, uh, you know, I could be wrong. I Like I said, I've been wrong about things before. I'm not saying I'm the end-all, be-all. I mean, I... I can only share with you, gentlemen, what my journey has been. And that was a very pivotal point in my journey. 
And the personal part of it, the personal part of God interacting with me on a very personal, individual level with me as a human being. Here's what I think about you, Anna. Here's what I feel towards you, Anna. That is all. That was all so that I could be a part of a healthy body. It isn't so that I could be floating off in space as a cell by myself, right? Um, so I think that God does work personally, and I do, I do think he does work corporately. And somehow that is a difficult balance for the church to find, and I don't know exactly why that is. What do you think? I think we have to. <laughs> I think you just Johnny's opened up another an hour. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks for coming on again, Anna. It's always good talking yeah. to you, and thanks for thanks yeah. for sharing and and uh, throwing on these things with us. Sorry yeah. if I was over the top. I mean, you know me by now. I'm just very passionate. I I just I'm just I'm just me. Well, thanks That's for being it. you. Yeah, thanks for yeah. being part of the show today. It's okay. Great. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.